Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. afternoon and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And boy, do I have a special one that's so near and dear to my heart today. I'm bringing back my dear friend, Alan Shapiro, who I grew up with. I've had him on the show before. We've talked about creativity before. And with everything going on in the world out there and in my own life right now, I felt I needed somebody that lifts me up, that lights me up, that can help me and all of you, my listeners, because you keep asking me this, how do I get my mojo back? How do I start living a more creative life in all ways, not just through the traditional writing or art or whatever, but just being creative in life? And I started thinking about it and I said, let me reach out to Alan because he's the best person in the world that I know of to help us launch into that. And you, you, for those of you watching on video today, you may see my face is a little red. Well, Alan and I were crying and laughing together before we started the show. So that's probably how it's going to go for the rest of the episode. For those of you who are just listening via the podcast, you're missing out on some kind of fun things. Like you can see me gesturing like crazy and, and just some of the funny facial expressions that may happen during today's show. But I want to thank those watching the podcast, keeping it in the top 3% globally of all podcasts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all my heart and keep on watching and keep on listening. And I'm bringing Alan Shapiro onto the show right now. Alan, first off, welcome and congratulations. You just got married to this incredible woman. I do. So you talk about like reigniting your creativity. I, I highly recommend this thing called marriage. Good marriage, not like the two I had. <laughs> you know, you, you have you have this woman in your life that from what I've watched from behind the scenes, because I haven't seen you in person in probably 30 years. Yeah. Um, there is this creative love and joy in this. And I'm so excited that the two of you... Would you mind sharing what happened at when you're taking get actually getting married with the rainbows and that because that to me says so much about how you see the world. Okay, so and how to spark. Yeah. So backstory. So I met Stacy seven years ago, and five weeks prior to our first date, which was online dating, no issue. Um, he passed away. And the day of his funeral was a rainy, horrible day. And Stacy's mom had been in a wheelchair and was just dreading rolling into a cemetery, literally through mud and in the rain and how horrible on top of horrible. And as soon as they pulled up to the cemetery and they're driving in to lay him to rest, the sky opened up and a rainbow appeared, a huge, glorious rainbow, not a little tiny rainbow, but just a full on rainbow. And that became the sign that Lenny, Stacy's dad, was, was in our midst. So we are always on the lookout for rainbows and we all know that rainbows show up after rain. So right. like, they're not that uncommon. 
But for us, we always found that those rainbows showed up at ideal times, at perfect times of either challenging, you know, things or joyous things. And sure enough, it was our wedding day on Saturday. And here in New York, it was kind of rainy, dreary, and they said the skies were going to part, but it was probably going to rain through most of the day. And sure enough, it was about six o'clock in the evening and we're on the 43rd floor of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel and the photographer is getting ready to take pictures and the clouds parted and there were not one rainbow, but there were three separate rainbows in the course of 20 minutes showing us that Lenny was indeed, you know, there and, and giving his seal of approval. And then during the ceremony itself, there was lightning in the distance. And that was Stacy's mom getting the last word in. <laughs> so that for me is how, that's my worldview. That's how I view things. There are signs and small miracles and beautiful miracles that show up um, to, to balance all the science that we kind of need to rely on. And, and I love the fact that your signs are so full of life. Yeah. Right. And you're, you're open to seeing them and pausing to see them. And I feel like that's a big part of, of who you are in the world and what the worldview that frames the incredible work that you do is you seem to have this ability, Alan, since we were little kids. Okay. To stop, look at things and process them in a way that inspires you and that you take in everything that's going on. And what what lifts in your work is that fact that you seem to be able to stop when something's going on instead of just barreling through. Like at your wedding, you happen to notice these three rainbows a lot of other people, when they're going through their wedding, getting their photos taken, it's, okay, I have to get the photos done. I have to do all this stuff. But yet you man, you stop. That is a beautiful thing. You think? I think. I, I think there, for me, and thank you for that, um, there's just, there are stories waiting everywhere. Everywhere you look. And yes, I'm a creative soul. And, and so... No matter what happens, I can look at inanimate objects and tell myself a story and then share that story. So that led to a career in advertising and then a passion for photography, which led to a second career. And so being able to look at things and see the beauty in them or see the drama in them or see the inherent meaning in whatever I am working through, because we're always working through something in our heads. We're always trying to get from a bad place to a better place or from a good place to a superb place, right? And Mm. that's where we look for things. And we're always, at least for me, I, I want my glass to be not just half full. I want it to be overflowing and I want it to be overflowing with something sparkly and bubbly and that, you know, tickles my nose and maybe, you know, makes my head spin a little bit. That's, that's how I've grown up. And, and that's what I like trying to get people to discover. That, for me, is a really important thing, especially as I'm now at the, the back end of a career that has been absolutely thrilling, is paying it forward. 
and and just sharing sharing what I don't think are secrets, but maybe to some are like deep hidden secrets. How do you do this? How do you how do you get yourself out of a funk? How do you how do you try new things? How do you confront what you're terrified of? Three questions that we should dive deeper into. Yes, I was about to say, okay, so how do you do all those things? How do you get yourself out of a funk? Because I know that you do get into a funk. Everybody gets into a funk at uh-huh. some point in life. It's a matter of whether you stay in it or can move through it. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, the the, the the cliche answer is you you pull your head out of the hole that you've, you've stuck it into you know, being the ostrich, uh, and, and shake off the sand and stare directly at what it is you are most terrified of, or what is giving you whatever that feeling of anxiety or dread, or how do I get past this? Like it can be depression or it can be just fear of succeeding. And I think when you stare into it and you really analyze what is the What's the best that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? You fail, okay, it's not gonna be any worse than what you've done. And and invariably you'll get to a thing where if you break it into little pieces, the, the process for getting from wherever you are to wherever you need to get to, you know, turn it into steps. As many okay. or as few as you are comfortable, uh, you know, taking on and then hit a step at a time. You know, chunk it out and and see what happens. Is there some mm. technique, tactic, strategy that you use when your head is in this in this hole in the sand, and maybe it's on a project you're working on or it's something in life? Is there one particular thing or two particular things you do that help you not only get the head out? But I mean, you talked about steps yeah. and taking small steps, but, you know, I know some people, they, they make themselves laugh, right. Or they'll watch silly cat videos or, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? Is there something that you have found change. works for you? Yeah, yeah. A couple of things. First change environments move, you know, the whole act of percolating when you have a creative problem to solve invariably starts with filling your head with all the information you posit that it can hold and then walking away and doing something totally different to let your subconscious deal with it and sort through things and kind of organize things. So when I am in a bad place, I change my place. Literally, literally, physically, I go for a walk. I go to a park. I go to a garden with a camera because that's I'm never without a camera. Change the environment. Okay. And then there's all the places you can look for inspiration because there's always inspiration to be found. And sometimes it's visual, if it's a visual problem you're solving. Sometimes it is in the writings or the TED Talks of people who have invariably come through the same sort of situation you have, right? I mean, there is no shortage of incredible TED Talks of absolutely brilliant people. And the beautiful thing is you only have to sit for 20 minutes. It's true. Right? So you find someone who speaks to you, who you feel has been where you have been, and then hopefully they've got other things that they've posted and written and the books that they've created or you know other videos that they've done, and you can dive in. And here's another thing. Don't be afraid to call them, right? Find yourself a 
board of advisors, an advisory council, a spiritual guidance group, whatever you want to call them, a head coach. You know a lot about coaching, Laura. (laughs) And the worst that can happen when you reach out to someone is they say, I don't have time for you right now. Mm -hmm. I think for me, that has been kind of the worst. I've never had a hard no, because when you're reaching out about a challenge and you've made the connection with that person, because it seems like you've been through the same challenge I have, and I'm wondering if I can borrow two minutes of your time to talk about Mm -hmm. it right? People don't say no to that, at least good people. So find yourself those good people. Yeah. And if there are ones that say no, don't take it personally. You can't take it personally because you never know. They may be having one of their bad days and <laughs> for their person to reach out. <laughs> exactly. All right. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit more because that is, is a beautiful way of phrasing changing state. Right. Tony Robbins talks very often. Basically, all of his work is about changing state. I remember back in the early 80s, friends were like, you have to come with me to see this guy. And it was in Manhattan. I forget where it was, but we were on 34th Street, somewhere way, way down. And um, it ended up being what was called his firewalk experience. This is before it became Unleash the Power Within and there are 20,000 people in the room, right? This was, we actually did the firewalk on the sidewalk of Manhattan. (laughs) They built the fires literally on the sidewalk outside this building we were in. And it was three o'clock in the morning when we finally did it. And, you know, they told me, focus on the Empire State Building because that will transport you and visualize that and all of that. And I realized through this 10 hours, we had been all together that what Tony was doing was making you change your state and trying to give you something you can grab onto whenever you get into a place where you lose focus. And, you know, it's always stuck with me that 2,000 people or 1,000 people, I forget how many people were there, walked and nobody burned their feet or anything like that. It was pretty amazing. (laughs) Yet, so often in our lives, we forget about that, that literally getting up and going outside and taking a walk or just standing outside your door and going, (sighs) taking a deep breath can transform So I want to thank you for that because I know my listeners are like, there's no way that can change you. It's practice for walking through the fire that you're building up to. Remember, it's the first step. The first step, change your environment. At the end, we're going to walk through whatever fire it is you have metaphorically created for yourself or are dealing with literally for yourself. But taking the first step, God, it's, it's this all sounds so cliche, but it is simple and people do forget by the way there's also something in the doing exactly the opposite of what you think you should do if (laughs) if you find yourself like depressed and sleeping maybe you just need to sleep Uh, you know not being a therapist and not being classically trained I, i don't i don't know what the right answer is but i do believe that people ultimately get bored of whatever they're doing that isn't working And then the next thing is just to shake off whatever that is and try something different and as radically different as you can. So if it's as simple as changing your environment, that's one thing. If it's, if it's a little bit 
bigger. Maybe it's moving your environment, right? I find that, I don't know, as a, as a result of this pandemic, here I am living in New York, and had I known that I was going to be stuck indoors, not going to a formal office for years, right? I might have bought a bigger condo. Uh, because there just aren't, there's not, you know, as, as much room as I have, there's never enough room. Right. I find that going to a different room permanently, like changing where my home office was, I did that for a while and it was miraculous and it led to a different thing. No different than, you know, how do people go to coffee shops and just concentrate right. there with all the tumult and the chaos? I think some of that, it becomes white noise and mm-hmm. it becomes just a different state to be in to have different kinds of thoughts and there's different energy without getting too metaphysical. There's just different stuff that goes on when you make changes, small changes. Let today be about small changes. Okay. Most of the work you do, people see the end result of it, right? This beautiful photograph, some magnificent. Yeah. Yeah, some magnificent ad campaign, whatever it may be, the poetry that goes along with your photos. By the way, everybody, if you are not following Alan Shapiro on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, please do that right away because it brightens my day and shifts my mood amazingly just by scrolling through Alan's feeds. But I'm sure that a lot of what you do that we see as the end product requires a lot of being in your head mm-hmm. or doesn't it? I mean, your what is your creative process look like? I mean, it's, we yeah. talked about these small steps, but a lot of my listeners are like, I am not creative at all. I can't do anything. I don't know how to do it. I finally found some vases I had and I ordered some colored sand and I'm thinking about doing some sand art maybe. Right. Yeah. Which I haven't done since I was a little kid, but it's been sitting here for three months and I still have not, op- I opened the box of sand, but haven't done anything. So okay. just so, talk about your creative process. <laughs> so you, so first of all, I believe everyone, 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 everyone is a creative person. We are living in the golden age of creativity, thanks to our phones and the ability to capture things still and moving to be able to record thoughts as they pop into our heads. So there is no excuse. And who's to say what, creative or creativity Mm. is, you know, let's go back to when Picasso was a young man playing around and studying formal painting. And then all of a sudden he just did a scribble and his teacher said, that is awful. What are you, what are you even thinking? And look what that turned into. (laughs) So, so I like to remind people that one person's awfulness ultimately becomes art to be revered for generations to come. And we go through periods of different types of creativity, all of us. So if you if you prepare a meal for yourself, you're creative because who's to say you have to make a sandwich with two pieces of bread and something in between it? Maybe you can work the other way. Think about how sushi has inspired life, right? Okay. We can. So here's a challenge I give my photography students when I'm teaching them. Open up your refrigerator, pull something off the door, pull something from the crisper tray and pull something from the main shelves and go make a still life and stay with it until you have something that pleases you. And then stare at it and say, why did I like that versus the other three things as I'm moving things around? If you are a hunter gatherer, as we all, I think, hopefully are, walk 
We gather pebbles and stones that are heart-shaped or speak to us or of pretty colors. We find sea glass or feathers or bits of whatever as collectors of things that have meaning, you know, inherent or not. We have cherished objects that have been given to us or passed down from family members, right? All of those are things that we can look at and write about and make stories about or, or, or do things with, arrange on a shelf in your home in a way that feels like, like here's a fun exercise, build a shrine to okay. something. And it's not a religious shrine, it's an inspiration shrine. Take objects that when you look at them, they bring you someplace, a, a pebble oh, from a beach okay. or a lake a beautiful colored feather that you found in an unexpected place and gather them all in one place and just leave them there. And once a day, walk by and look at them and think about all the memories that pop into your head. And then if you're so inclined to either write about it or just, you know, the act of journaling, writing for five minutes a day without any filter is an easy thing. For me, I wake up every day and I take a picture or pictures and then I process those pictures because as a photographer, there's sort of two parts. There's the making and then there's the finessing. It's like no different than sanding wood. If you're a carpenter and staining it, you finish things. Each of those represents a different part of a creative brain. If I'm working on a, a new ad campaign, a new story that I want to tell on behalf of a client, I will still go through the photographic process because, again, I'm percolating. I'm thinking that my head is filled okay. with all the facts and the challenges that I need to communicate the story that the client wants to tell. And so I'll distract myself with photography. So I've got two creative pursuits that sort of feed each other. Ah, okay. And, and that's how I begin my day. And so my head is racing through all sorts of interesting things while my eyes and the different part of my brain are just looking and focusing on making something pretty. And then once that process stops, you know, and there's a, there's a whole process toward if I haven't photographed something, I'm going to go search for something that I want to post that is going to help illustrate a story, sometimes very literally. Let me tell you about this flower and what it reminds me of. Do you see the, the ballet dancer, the flamenco dancer? Do you see the tired old soul? Do you see whatever? Like anthropomorphication, anthropomorphization, is a wonderful thing in the mind of a creative person because we just we can make up stories about inanimate objects and ascribe human emotions and feelings and activities to it. And then that leads to something. And sometimes it just triggers a thought about the state we're living in, the worldview that we are dealing with, the challenges we as society, as a country, are wrestling with. <clears throat> So there's all sorts of fodder in all of these things. Do I want to be literal? Do I want to complain about something? Do I want to be, do I want to see what I can make rhyme with ranunculus? And, and that's, that's how my day starts. So you have a routine that helps you be more creative. It sounds like. Uh huh. It's like a, it's like an exercise regimen. And I, I describe the photographing something as the upper body workout, the equivalent, and then the processing okay. is the lower body or the cardio and then the weight training. However you want to tell that, that is a wonderful wake-up routine because it gets my brain started in an easy way. Versus rolling out of bed, grabbing the phone. 
and, and going whatever. right into meetings and and the challenges of the day. Absolutely, I you know I'm a morning person. Let me wake up super early before the sun even comes up, and think big, wonderful thoughts and make wonderful mistakes on paper and in my head, and just clear away all of the what I need to do, and give myself the luxury of here's what I want to do. Okay. So when you do this thing, first thing in the morning, everybody, who's it? Julia Cameron or whatever. She talks morning pages, Mm -hmm. the artist's way. I could never get into it. I, for whatever reason, it just annoyed me. And at the end of the day, well, okay. Give permission to do it at the end of the way, but it's just, I don't know why that structure of it really, frustrated me that I had to follow somebody's path. But what I hear from you and another good friend, John David Mann, amazing writer, if you have not explored his work, it's like you with art and words, it's him. You guys would just love and adore each other. That's all I have to say. It's just amazing. But, um, I struggle with routine and structure. It was much easier when I had the tech company in Connecticut and, you know, I had to be at an office at a certain time and I had thousands of clients with demands every day, right? When COVID hit for a lot of people, their routines disappeared and things that they never expected to happen happened into our life, into their lives. And now the world's kind of opening up but routines still aren't there. So what do you say to somebody who's like, well, I always had a routine, then routines went to hell and, and I've never quite bounced back. And now I know that I don't want that well, so traditional just, structure. So there's, there's the first question. Okay. Do you want, do you miss your routine? And if you do get back to it with rigor, with, like the jogger who jogs no matter how much it's raining or snowing, how cold it is, how hot it is. You just do your routine because you know you need a routine. If you're a different person and it's like, I had a routine, I lost my routine, and I kind of like this, then it leads to a different question, which is, okay, then what's missing? What are you missing? And, and get very granular with it. If you're missing, you know, how, how many of us have not worn pants for, for a very long time? We've replaced them with whatever we've replaced them with, but like, then put your pants back on. And if you, if you are missing human contact, well, guess what? We're fortunately at a place where we can safely interact with people, build in meetings to your day. Right. But I, there are so many potential answers to that getting back to a routine or forgetting a routine entirely. So, Laura, what are you missing that you had? If it's the spontaneity, maybe what you should do, we should build an app that is a random app that no different from your Apple Watch, but it's not at a given time. It is truly spontaneous that it prompts you to get up and do something. Mm. and do something unexpected and do something silly like write five words about how you're feeling right the second and then a few hours or minutes later 
It's spin around in your in your office chair till you're dizzy and then go back to your thing. And then whenever later from that, go pick up a book, open it to a random page and read a paragraph and then connect it to something. Right. These are all just pure creative exercises that jog your brain, put you in a different place and hopefully help you connect it to whatever is going on in a good way as a distraction or in a creative way as a, a, a bit of inspiration. Right. I, I love those questions you posed because, you know, I'm all about the questions. And questions. I, I want to tell you what came up for me, right? I do miss routine. Yeah. I mostly miss deadlines. So give Weirdly. Weirdly, I miss deadlines because it gave things a beginning, a middle and an end, mm-hmm. right? Everything in my life lately has no, none of that. So I need to find things that have beginning, middle and ends. They're just not open-ended, that they have a purpose. Okay. And then weirdly, I miss putting on earrings and a watch and jewelry, which I haven't done in years because I'm just in the house. So why would I put jewelry on? Because you never know when a devastating stranger is going to come into a Zoom <laughs> meeting with you and you're going to want to sparkle a little. Okay, send one my way. <laughs> right? Okay, we will work on that. I mean, I, I haven't had a date oh, since no, my no. divorce, you know, but it doesn't even have to be a date. It's just like some person to just shift things. And I need to date myself, I think. I need to date myself again. Well, it, you need to put on jewelry for a start. Yeah, yeah. I've got these great holes in my ears and I haven't put earrings on in ages. Okay, so as soon as we're done, you're going to put earrings on and I'm yeah. going to chepper you, as my mother would say, about putting jewelry on. Yeah. Those are so easy. I mean, imagine if you had bigger issues. Setting a deadline, that's a little bit more challenging because yeah. you know it's artificial. So have your best friend give you a deadline, you know, for each project you're working on. Yeah. Well, even like for client stuff, you know, picking yeah. up some more clients and having deadlines instead of, oh, we're just going to work together for however long, you know, let's, right. let's set a framework for it. Mm-hmm. Um, or writing my blogs every day like I haven't done in a while. So th- yeah. those are things that just came up for me with the questions you pose. So I'm really curious with my listeners, you know, I think they should post on your social media and my social media, what came up for them? What's missing for them? What, what do they want when you post that? When, that would be really cool. And anybody who's listening live on live stream right here. Um, and I know we've got people live on LinkedIn, which don't show up in our counters, by the way, Alan, there's three, three social feeds that don't show in our counters, but they can pop right into the chat here and we can talk about that too. I love that. I, I, I had realized how much I missed like deadlines, like work, you know, something that's beginning, middle and end versus, you know, every month I write an article to for different magazines, but it's become so routine and, and the deadlines slip all the time. (laughs) Because they can, because we've, we've all gotten a little bit off our routines. Right. But yeah. so now everyone needs to create a new routine. And hopefully my recommendation is that should include the thing that you have to do, the, the work, which 
I hope, I wish for everyone the same that I have for myself, that the work doesn't feel like work. Right. But I also wish that there was something for everyone that represented a new challenge that you've been waiting to try and you just haven't for whatever the reason. So like, like my sand art that I want to do with the that I found when my microwave caught on fire. Right. Or learn, (laughs) learn to cook a new type of cuisine or, or write, you know, pick up a journal and write poetry. If you're used to writing articles, just do something that represents a big quantum different step and try it on. And if that doesn't work, then find another big leap to something else that, that makes you smile for a few minutes a day and doesn't take you away, doesn't represent a distraction. And even if it does, so be it. Distractions are good if it represents personal growth. Distractions are bad if you're doing nothing and there's nothing to gain. Don't play video games unless you want to be a professional you know, person on Twitch. There is no benefit to that, certainly, you know, right. other than escapism. And we are not here to talk about escapism. We're here, hopefully. Maybe we should be. I don't know. Well, part of creativity, my understanding of it, and when I'm deep in my creative process, it is sort of a form of escapism in a way because it quiets my mind while energizing my mind. True, true. I misspoke earlier. You're right. Everything that we love to do is inherently escapism because you're escaping from something that you have to do, that you're dreading doing, that you need to do. Okay, so thinking through that thought there, I've always wanted to ask you this, and I did not ask you this on the first time I had you on the show, because you talked about your morning routine, taking photos and all of this stuff, and suggested to your your uh, students, you know, grab something out of the crisper tray, the deli tray, the this, that, whatever. Okay. Your photographs are some of the weirdest items I've ever seen. And I need to know where, I mean, do you just have in that cabinet behind you that we're looking at for those of watching it on video, like this endless supply of crazy things inside those cabinets? Or I mean, or do you go to the store and just start because some of it's you, mean, you don't have a collection of little skulls on your windowsill <laughs> next to a Tibetan group of carved monks with a little plastic Tyrannosaurus Rex <laughs> I we find things that speak to us and we surround ourselves with them so I have lots of nooks and crannies filled with things that for whatever reason make me smile. Okay. The beauty is then when you take random things and put them together, right? Old reading glasses propped on two pieces of pasta become eyes you know, <laughs> of an old person. And then an open set of poultry shears become legs. And, and now we create beautiful figures out of just flotsam and jetsam, things that have been abandoned and and yet somehow you want to hang on to. Sometimes there's a lot, there's magic to be found in randomness and the connections we make. So go for a walk and pick up five things during that walk. 
And here's the beauty, you know, just all you want to do is end up with five things. If you pick up five things in the first five feet, and then you go a few feet further and you see something new, or you have to discard one of those first five, all I want you to do is find five things and think about why, you know, is it the shiny piece of sparkly paper that fell off a stick of gum and is there? Or is it the crushed cigarette box? We don't have those anymore, thank God. Not so much. You know, right? But whatever it is, there's art to be found everywhere. And my guess is the things that you are attracted to, if someone were walking next to you looking for their own five things, it would be very different. So guess what? That prompts conversation. Why'd you pick that? What does that speak? And then now your brain's working. And your brain's working in, in explaining things. Okay. That's a fun exercise. That is a really fun exercise. And I was trying to think of the last walk, what I did. And I realized I really wasn't looking at the ground. I, I have a tendency to look at clouds. It's a thing my mom and I always did since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. We would look at clouds and decide what the clouds looked like. Okay. And Perfect. So, and you're taking pictures with your phone, right? Sometimes I don't even have the phone with me just because I just need to disconnect from a device. Okay. But But most of the time, yeah, it's in my pocket. (laughs) Okay. So here's a different variation on the exercise we just described. Take yourself out and take a bunch of pictures of things that just speak to you. Like random things, right? Your clouds, a pretty view that you saw. The sunlight in the tree. Right. Whatever. A cute dog. An interesting, you know, a studly man with dashing gray hair, you know, whatever. (laughs) By the way, everybody, Alan, if you're not watching this in video, is a studly man with graying hair. (laughs) (laughs) Good, I made him blush. Yay. And then when you get home, take all those photos. Okay. And figure out and look at them. And tell yourself a story. Put them in a different order than you took them in and make up a story. And if you're an underachiever, write two sentences about the story. And if you're an overachiever, write write something that would be appropriate for The New Yorker or whatever magazine you, whatever literary place. But each of these things is letting you, like your brain is saying, notice that. And then notice that and notice this. And sometimes it's very superficial and just beautiful things. But then when you force yourself to put them together in some sequence, something emerges that is inside that you are now bringing to the Mm. surface. And as a simple exercise, now make that a routine. Now make that a way of jumpstarting whatever it is, because your brain is going to, you're going to start seeing things that represent challenges that you are wanting to work out and it will show up in your your art with with many of the of the photos i take right so my daughter who is now deep into vet school gave me a tarantula as a housewarming (laughs) gift okay gross okay (laughs) i know and yeah but i decided and then i've always been an antique guy thanks to my parents who dragged my sister and I to all sorts of antique fairs and flea markets and whatever. And, and I started noticing, you know, cascade, um, uh, doll parts 
that had been, you know, like uh, thrown away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So now when you fill a tarantula's cage with doll heads, it becomes really fun. Right. Because we all love or it. creepy. It becomes incredibly creepy, but it makes sense. Like, right. what do you I mean? Yes, we could make a pink and purple girls room. We could get a Barbie, you know, bed and and put wallpaper up and there's a tarantula there. And it would be equally creepy because when you have an eight inch spider with who's hairy, everything is creepy. Right. Just made it extra creepy. But then Persephone died and I still have her in Tupperware because you never know when you're going to want a dead tarantula in a in a piece of artwork so i become a hoarder of sorts but now those doll heads become interesting metaphors for the way we vacantly stare at life in this day and age right we're looking we have seen everything now we are living we have seen hundreds of thousands of people die from a pan during a pandemic we have seen a nation divided we have seen catastrophic weather we are now looking at unspeakable atrocities in ukraine right right and so my guess is no matter what side you're on because this is not about politics or science or faith we are just at odds with so many things for whatever the reason that it has become numbing and so how we get out of the numbness i think maybe could be the biggest life lesson in this moment because we've become used to awfulness and we need to find interest and beauty and something other than awfulness. So for me, the doll heads are the the bad side. And when I exercise the demons and I play with them and I, you know, I put an artichoke on top of a doll's body or take a doll's head and put it wherever I end up putting it in a bowl of cereal because that's where they belong, don't you know? It's a way of working out something. And so it's like, okay, like I am, I am pissed at the universe right now. I am truly for all sorts of reasons that I just listed out. And so I'm going to make something absurd because that is a way of working that out and getting it out of my system, getting some of the ridiculousness, the creepiness out of my system. Because when I put it in a digital form or on paper, it's out of my brain, right? I'm emptying my head a little bit. So, so all, the, all the weird things right. are ways of emptying my head. It's like cleaning your closet. You know? So creativity, the way you, you define it. As yeah. yeah. Absolutely. There are days I want to make something because I am mad or or distraught or whatever. And then there are other days where I'm just marveling at how beautiful it is outside as I walk through a garden or I just walk through a park or wherever I'm walking through. And it's interesting to me how, you know, yesterday I could be glowing and today I could be pissed off based on something I heard, some bit of news, and I need to work that out quickly because otherwise I will spiral. Yesterday when I went, because we were, we were texting the other day, so I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before anyway, that you said, oh, you know, the, the wedding happened. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't been on social. And I went and I found your, your post. And then I'm like, well, let me scroll through. What else did I miss? 
on, on your social. And I saw about your book that I didn't even know you had a book out there. This incredible book. Well, I didn't know that for whatever reason. Again, it's, I do them for me. Right. And then as good a marketer as I am for other people, (laughs) I don't, I don't like talking about my own commerce. And then sometimes I say, Woody, you're an idiot. Of course, you know. Yeah, your commerce is amazing. But I, I don't, I don't like to actively pursue it, believe it or not. I love to teach. So I will talk about when I teach, but I will Mm -hmm. not, I don't believe in selling prints or books or whatever. I mean, I do, I should, I just struggle with it. I, I, I I don't want to lose my humility. I want, or my gratitude. I just want to pay things forward, not be paid for things at this point. Okay. Well, let me hawk your stuff. Um, So anyway, I, I see this. You keep saying I need an agent. I don't. Yes, totally. You, you need a social media marketer. You need somebody that will just do that crap for you. And if you want somebody, I know some really amazing people that will do that for you. But so when I find this feed about your book and I'm like, what? And I, I click on the link and you can actually page through the entire book on that link, which is unheard of, but you can. And the first thing I see is basically your dedication page with your mom and your dad, who obviously I know since we grew up together, right? You know, Mr. Shapiro delivered, you know, pharmacy medicines to my house. We'd go there, you know, and we were in each other's houses, you know, and all that other stuff. But anyway, I remember I was like so happy for you getting married and everything, right? It was so joyous for me to hear that that finally was able to happen. And then I see this picture of your parents and the words you wrote. And something inside of me just broke open. And that is what creativity does, right? Even the other pages, which were the most incredible portraits of people and the words you put to them that are showing people in some of their what feel like horrible moments in their lives, it still broke me open because your heart, your soul was in there and you could feel what you were going through. And I feel like what we've been talking about on the this show episode so far is about what I'm getting is that creativity doesn't have to be happy, bright, light, perfect. It just has to help you as the person process what you're going through versus creativity as the end goal of creating or producing found this going through some boxes. My dad always had this on his desk. It's this stupid little clown that my dad always had paper clips in. And I mean, it's so silly. I couldn't even tell you. It says it's made in Japan. I was a little girl in Yonkers, New York, seeing this, but somehow it has a purpose for me. So I hear you saying, and it's shifting me, Alan, dramatically, that I don't have to finish an art project at all. So, and I said, I want deadlines, but yet I stop myself because I feel like I just have to finish it in one sitting. 
that you don't have to do that. Okay, so let's talk about that. Well, you said yourself, you like a beginning and a middle and an end. Yeah. Right there is a process. Okay. You have to start with something, whatever that is. And then along the way, by the time you get to the middle, like any good story, it starts out pretty interesting. And then there's drama. There's drama, there's tragedy, there's something that life is a roller coaster. Art is a roller coaster. Even the most beautiful art, there are moments where like, maybe I should look at this in black and white and make it dark. But for me, the process is so much more important than the end end result. For me, the, the capturing something, there's, depending on what I'm capturing, like the book you're referencing is a book of portraits. Um, the thrilling part is it doesn't start with a picture. It starts with a, how you doing? It yeah. starts like your show, the brilliance of your concept is it is all about the questions. How are you doing? Said one way to one person leads a totally different to a totally different place. Many times unimaginable as how you're doing to someone else and the third person or where did you get that hair? Where did you, your outfit is incredible. Who dresses you? Like there were so many questions that start a story and being open to that story and seeing where it takes you. And like, as you ask a question, you inherently open the doors to receive the answer. At least most normal people do. Right. So that's, that's a critical part of the process right there. The, the opening up to someone else's story because it's either going to trigger something in you and you're going to ask another question and then you're going to get into a dialogue. And for me, the picture taker in me is waiting for the moment where it's like, oh my God, I am, I am like, I forget I have a camera hanging off my shoulder. And then sometimes I remember, and sometimes it's like, oh my God, that was so great. Thank you. I'll see you have a nice life. And I never (laughs) even take a picture, but sometimes it's like, Oh my God, can I, can I capture your soul? Because you have a beautiful soul. So it's not always sadness. Sometimes it's just prompting. It's like, now you are such a joyous person. Were you always this joyous? Boom, big prompt. And inherently the answer is no. You rarely meet the person who has had a nothing but happy life. Yeah. So being open to that, listening to that, the storyteller in me, the advertising guy, is listening just to the conversation because it's snippets of real life. It becomes dialogue at a party. Like life is this giant cocktail party. We can't always have drinks in our hands, but we're always interacting with everybody. And sometimes the questions you ask are clues to the things that you yourself are searching for. And sometimes it's just to make idle conversation, but that idle conversation leads to something deeper. They're both Mm -hmm. valid and they're both moments to pay attention to what happens there. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Uh, I was on a coaching call with somebody yesterday. They wanted some help on something they've been stuck with for a few years, right? And they're like, maybe you can tweak me out of whatever's going on. And, And we were talking about the show. And, and she said, Laura, I think the show for you is your playground. 
and I went, oh my God, it's so is it's like, I get to have these incredible conversations with incredible people. And I have huge epiphanies like through every show or my guest does, or both of us do. And my listeners, but it, it is like my playground. And I never really thought of it that way because I just get to ask whatever the hell I want. Of course, I research the heck out of my guest, read every book that they, you know. And did I ever tell you one time I thought I was interviewing somebody different than I was? No. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I got asked by the Vero Beach Book Center in town. This is when I was on broadcast radio. They had an author coming in, Brad Taylor. And they asked if I would interview him. And in my head, they said Brad Taylor. And I thought they meant Brad Meltzer, who I'd read all of his books and loved all of his books. You know, the guy's brain is just insane in his historical research. So I'm like, yes, absolutely. And I, they, they sent me the advanced copy of his new book. And it wasn't Brad Meltzer. <laughs> I'm looking at it going, I don't know who this person is. So I realized I only had four days to prep. And all the prep I had done was out the window. So I went to the library. Brad Taylor has multiple shelves in the library of books. Oh, boy. So I literally took a shelf. And all his books are really thick. I, re I took a shelf and I spent four days, thank God I read fast, read like virtually everything he's written in four days. And then interviewed and found out I loved this man. <laughs> and he's been on my show you know, multiple times since then. But it was like, it is my playground. And sometimes it's unexpected where we go. And another times, you know, somebody tries to make it scripted and that pisses me off to no end. And I'm like, sorry, that's not the question I asked you. But so, yeah, it, it is my playground. And thank you for, for what you said, because that's creativity isn't always what we think it is, right? Oh, it, it, it should be surprising even to the person who thinks of themselves as creative. Yeah. It should be a, 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 a never-ending stream of epiphanies for those people who think they're not. I can't tell you how many people, as you referenced at the beginning of the show, how many people don't say, I'm not creative. When I say they, that. <laughs> right? But when they start, when they see what they're able to write in a single sentence, what they see what they're able to pull out of someone or the story they're able to make up in their own head as a result of these stupid exercises, which are anything but stupid, it's miraculous. Mm. Here's a few more things, like make a new friend each day, have a conversation with someone you wouldn't think to have a conversation with and see where that leads you. I, I, like they seem so just nothing. But if you go into it with a level of rigor and you make it a routine, right. just believe in the, 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 the universe putting things in front of you, having you stumble into them or over right. them and, and deciding that there is something to be learned from every interaction with someone human or inanimate, everything changes. <sighs> I love that. I, I, oh, this has just been so much fun. <laughs> I, I've taken notes on this piece of paper here of all these like epiphanies that I've had and these wonderful questions and questions to ask myself. And um, 
I want to, since you never like to pitch yourself, I'm going to say, where can people find out more about you, Alan? Um, let's see. So I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, what is my, what is my, give me a second. I will tell you exactly where I am on Facebook. I'm Alan W Shapiro. W is for right. And on Instagram, I'm Alan Shapiro, 515. And Alan is A-L-A-N. So Alan W. Shapiro. And you'll see someone who looks remotely like me, and it'll be filled with photographs and stories, and it'll make sense to you at some point. Um, this is sort of, it's, it's like having a public journal. It's like, I'm, you know, the diaries we all had as kids where we told our secrets I decided if I share my secrets, magic happens. And if oh. I share my fears, someone has an answer. And here's the beautiful thing about Facebook, as much as a rabbit hole as it can be for those of you who are just sort of torn there, no matter what you are going through, if you do the proper research, there is invariably some kind of group, some social right. community that is going through the same challenges you are. And then what you make of the advice that is there, you take everything with a grain of salt and, you know, try things on. And if they don't fit, run away. Don't, don't stay put and think anyone has the answer. But invariably, you'll find someone who is going through what you're going through, or at least has been there. That's, that's a really powerful thing about social media that sometimes we forget because of all of the the hate spewing and the divisiveness that gets put up in the news or, or whatever. But social media has saved people from suicide, have um, brought lost animals together and helped people in grief and all sorts of stuff like that. Or made us giggle at stupid cat videos. Oh my gosh. So there's a lot of stupidity and it's easy to get lost in that. So if nothing else, give yourself a routine there. If you find yourself going down the endless scroll, the doom scrolling, give yourself a time limit and then put in a keyword of something that has meaning to you or something you're wrestling with or a challenge you want and see where that takes you. Like stop the stupidity and make it, give yourself homework. Mm, And of course, check out Alan's feeds because, (laughs) oh my God, I just love them, love them, love them. Well, that's just ridiculosity. That is the, you know, we got to, if we don't, if we don't laugh, you cry. As my mother always used to say, I don't know. I don't know that I like that, but I find it's true, especially in these weird times. So I'm trying to make people smile. That's my goal. And your work makes people think too. It's not just about a smile. You can take it on the surface and then you can read it and it makes you think. And I'm, I'm so grateful for all of that. And I'm grateful for you being here with me today. And I am incredibly grateful that you and Stacy finally got to have the wedding you wanted, which you had to postpone <sighs> during COVID yeah, and yeah. that your parents and your sister and everybody else was there and, you you inspire me, Alan, and I'm so glad that you know. We're still I, friends after. Yeah, yeah, you know, and we reconnected. Fifty plus years. Well, I am going to be 59 in June, 
and I, my dad built that street we lived on and and moved moved there when I was three years old. Okay. And you moved in right around the same time. Right. Maybe a few months later. Yeah. So we've known each other. 55 years. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) And the crazy part is I would still recognize you on the street, you know, Your sister too. I saw a Facebook post of, of Sandra and I, and and your dad and your mom. I mean, they haven't changed a bit yeah. at all. And and I was reminiscing the other day about the street because I found a diary that Mel Sander had given me. Do you remember Mel and Ed Sander? They lived down the end of the street. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, both who have passed away. Yeah. Um, a diary they had given me with like the little lock and key when I was going through some old boxes. And it started me down this memory lane of what we used to do on the street and the games we all used to play and all the people that were, that were on the street. And, and the boys you dragged into the woods behind your house. Remember the <laughs> elephant rock? and Yes. Who kissed who first? And you know, right? And the, the games of tag and, oh. and hide and seek that went on for like those were such simple times, right? Yeah, no, yeah. no door was ever locked and you were just outside until dinner time. Right. God, I hate to, I, I sound like an old fuddy duddy, but simpler times. Simpler times. Yeah, I remember getting, do you remember me getting stuck on top of Elton Rock? I climbed up there, but I couldn't get down. Yeah. And and you guys are all like, just come down, just come down. You know, my, and my brother's like, just come down. Like I was paralyzed and um, freed, the freeds. They used to live next door to me and the older daughter came Sorry. and yes. Yes. And she, she like climbed part way up and like held my hand and got me yeah, down the rock. Yeah, like just give you something to put your feet into as you slid down this yes. rock that was like a story and a half tall. It was the biggest boulder, how it ended up there yes. for those of you that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the rock's not there anymore. They got rid of it when they built those houses. I was oh. devastated to hear that. But yeah. anyway, um, you know, memory lane that triggers so much creativity, even just going down that and looking and feeling that changed my state completely. Just remembering that memory. And, uh, we have so many more from our street. That's for sure. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, thank you so much for coming on again. And, um, really, really grateful yeah. for you in my life. And please tell me you're going to hug Stacy for me one day. I hope to get to meet her and uh, hug your parents for me. So here's the big question for you and for everybody else. What's next? Mm. Now what? Now what? You heard all this. What are you going to do today that you haven't, that you didn't do yesterday that you didn't think of doing before? What are you going to do that feels ridiculous or feels simple or feels small, but will jumpstart something in your brain that can become a routine, that can become a new passion project, that can become a distraction if that's what you need, or can give you that time so you can percolate while you're focusing on something totally inane. What are you going to do next? It's perfect because I was about to ask you any last thoughts you'd like to share. (laughs) There you go. Oh, perfect. Great. All right. Have at it. And then everybody have tell it. us and what tell us, you're doing. And tell us what you did. Yeah. And did it work? And if it doesn't work, try something different. Yeah. 
call me. I'll give you 20 ideas for what you can do to jumpstart something different in your life. And you'll eventually find something that will fit. There's a book in there too, but who's got time? <laughs> I'm, I'm too busy doing all these other little things. I know, that, I know, but that, that is such a perfect huge book. Things. Such a perfect book. Okay. Love you, my friend. Mwah. I will talk to you offline, off camera. We'll- yes, yes. Hang on a bit. Let me close out the show. Okay, everybody, I hope you got as much out of that as I did. Some notes I I put in here were I need to put my earrings back on, right? And that I do need to set some routines for myself that I've lost over time. And then I love the go for a walk, pick up five things. Alan shared so many amazing questions that we can ask ourselves to unlock our own creativity, our own souls, our own lives. I'd love to hear uh, my handles on virtually every social media are the Laura Stewart. I made it nice and simple. So at the Laura Stewart on every social media, you can find me. You can find Alan on Facebook at Alan W. Shapiro and on Instagram at Alan Shapiro 515. So let us know what's going on for you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a great day, everybody. And remember, the right questions can change your life. Have a great day. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.